Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today, John Malave. He is chair at the Tri-State Cannabis Alliance. We're going to talk to him about what's going on in the world of cannabis on the East Coast, particularly in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, tri-state area. I think we're going to throw in Pennsylvania in there as well. But just kind of talking about how this East Coast market is developing, what we're doing as an industry to try to align it, unify it, guide it, direct it in ways that, you know, hopefully are good and be good not only for business, but for, you know, patients and consumers. Interesting kind of position we're in in the world, or at least in the U.S. in terms of the cannabis market with a couple of really big states, really impactful states recently having passed, or at least voters passing legislation or passing votes to legalize uh, adult use cannabis. The powers that be still kind of working out various regulatory details and frameworks and committees and commissions to implement these policies. Uh, so we're still, you know, sausages is still being made, but we're definitely in moving into a, a legal cannabis market on the East Coast here. So excited to talk to John about what's going on, what he sort of sees, what the Tri-State Cannabis Commission is tasked with doing, and where we're going as an industry. So with all that, John, welcome to the program. Thanks a lot, Bruce. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, it's a pleasure. So you've been on the program before, but for folks that don't know you and certainly folks that want to learn more about Tri-State, give us a little bit of background for you and uh, how you got involved in cannabis and then how the Tri-State Cannabis Alliance kind of came about and give us a little bit of the, the foundation here. Yeah, so I've been in the space for about five and a half years with my company, QA Canna, and I've been in a supporter of cannabis basically my whole life, probably a self-medicator, just have always known there's been, you know, medical efficacy behind it and, and just have always seen the positives with it. And just like everybody else had to endure the stigmas with, you know, with its use. But yeah, so being in this space for about five years and, and having built up a network of close confidants and, and collaborators and, and other business owners, the other co-founder of TCA, Marta Spegman and CEO of Safe Arbor, we had always been in discussions, basically supportive discussions while they build out their prototypes and, and get their products to market and how basically we can help shape this industry in the East Coast, knowing that, you know, we've been touting probably for the past four or five years, as you would know, that the, the New York, New Jersey area is really going to set precedence within, within the cannabis market with lessons learned from the West Coast and everybody else and hopefully apply that here into this, into this space over here and really make it the market that it probably is going to be. So when we are going through that process of trying to identify how we go about getting that message out there and getting people to recognize third-party companies, organizations, services that are required for successful and robust regulated industries, we kind of just brainstorming, just kind of thought about, you know, the tri-state area and thinking about having lived here our whole lives and, and how everything interacts around here, how you have like New Jersey and New Jersey and New York collaborating with Port Authority and, and you know, the heads of the states and a lot of times discussing how to either harmonize or collaborate in, in certain measures, infrastructure measures or whatever they would be. We thought it was a natural fit and something that was kind of a unique dynamic that we hadn't seen anywhere. You, you'd seen these organizations on, on a national scale or you've seen it on a state scale, but never on a regional scale. And coming from the industries that I come from in the life sciences historically, you know, harmonization, risk mitigation, you know, basically solidifying that cohesiveness between the industries is imperative in order to, to have a, a well and robust regulated industry like uh, cannabis, you know, should be and, and and will be at some time. So that's really kind of the impetus of what really kind of came to, like how the idea came to fruition. And then it was really about just, you know, speaking to different people within our networks from, you know, legislative people to, to attorneys, to other business owners and, and, and saying, you know, what do you think about this type of an organization? And if we did something like this, would you support that? Do you think that this, it's a good idea? It's something that could really help us move forward. And we got nothing but, um, you know, rave reviews and, 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 and positive um, support from it where, you know, people were actually like volunteering to to support us in this capacity. So we really started to feel that it could be something special. Yeah, I'm curious how, how you're, I mean, because this market is a little unique or is uh, has some twists just because of the geographical locations. And, mm -hmm. you know, this you mentioned Port Authority as being kind of an example of how, particularly New York and New Jersey, I mean, the, the kind of the, the tighter of the two, I think, or the, out of the three the states that really have to grapple with this, with being so close in proximity, I and mean, basically you're dealing with a, a city, a, you know, a metropolitan area that's that covers two states, you know, three states, if you start counting Connecticut specifically, and obviously Pennsylvania is close enough that it ends up impacting how this is going to play out. Is there a model or is there is there another situation that you can see from a cannabis point of view where, you know, states, cities, geographies have had to coordinate in this way? No, that's the, uh, that's the thing that we kind of clicked on was there really is no other place, especially with the, the density and population that we have and the dynamics we have within, within this area. Like, you know, it's so very common to, 
just move from New York City to the suburbs, to New Jersey or to Connecticut or even, you know, to Philly in some respects. Yeah. And we included Philly into that, even though, yes, it is four states. But depending on where you're at in, in New Jersey or something, you know, sometimes Pennsylvania and New Jersey and New York are considered the tri-state areas. So yeah. we just thought that, you know, there was one contiguous kind of megalopolis there or something. <laughs> so we just said, you know, let's just incorporate all four states because they're they're all like right there. Um, and we didn't see anything else like that. And when we had talked to other people, like, um, you know, some lobbyists and stuff that we had as confidants, you know, they said from on the state level, a lot of the state level organizations have really not been successful. And yeah, you've had success on a national level, but we didn't, we weren't trying to compete on a national level. We're really trying to bring it just to this regionality over here where those 30 million cannabis users just within this, this little small demographic there or geographic area, I should say. Yeah. And and how I guess what what is the influence you hope to have over what folks is this primary kind of legislative? Is it about industry self-organizing? Is this more community grassroots? Like where where do you see the work to be done and how are you approaching this? I think when you look at our charter, it really encompasses all of it because they're all interconnected, right? Like it was specifically when we constructed our board, we did it to where we had three representatives per each state. So our board consists of 14 people with myself as a chair and Marta as the vice chair, and then three representatives on each state. And they're made up of different demographics within the industry. They're, they're attorneys, they're different type of attorneys, like labor law, product liability with insurance and stuff like that. We have an insurance companies, stakeholders, we have just packaging company stakeholders, and we have just regular just end user stakeholder citizens, people that should be concerned about the products that they're going to be putting into their into their patients or into their families or relatives or, you know, whatever it's going to be, they deserve the same knowledge that any other industry would be able to provide for products that are going into immunocompromised people or just, you know, just people that are just using a product in itself they're consuming. So really, it's it's really a wide breadth of, of activity. And really, our model is focusing in on the educational part because, you know, there's a lot of a lot of forums out there that, you know, tell you how to get into the cannabis industry, what you're going to kind of expect in the cannabis industry. And stuff. They don't really tell you all the nitty gritty about operating in the cannabis industry for sustainability. They don't tell you about what's really required and what it's really like to operate a company in a highly regulated industry, which it's not as highly regulated as it's going to be. It's only going to get more and more regulated and, you know, it's going to be harder and more expensive to operate. And people are going to have to really take things in, into consideration that other industries do like product liability and, and lawsuits and, and torts and things like that. And all the things that come along with that with brand recognition and, and quality of products and services and things. It's really, it's an immense, immense field of things to attack. But we feel that we have such a wide demographic of of, of subject matter expertise networks and basically information that we can provide and help these organizations, you know, start taking proactive steps towards creating an industry that's shaped in a way that's going to, we can be proud of and that, and that people can really prosper in and, and not really just fall by the wayside of, of a few corrupt, corrupt companies or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. And what's what's unique about 
this kind of tri-state market from your point of view? I mean, I, obviously it's a big market, right? We're, mm -hmm. We've been all mm -hmm. kind of waiting for these markets to come online, you know, certainly on the East Coast, if not just the overall kind of uh, national cannabis market, these are going gonna to have an impact. But when you look at New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Philly, you know, Pennsylvania, what are the things that really make them different or unique relative to the overall cannabis world? Well, from my perspective, because I come from quality assurance and, you know, regulatory compliance, I think of it from the capacity of the level of quality of product you're going to be putting out in the market, right? It basically making it so I can, I know that I'm going to go to a store and I'm going to consistently 999 times out of, out of a thousand times, I'm never going to think that there's something wrong with it or there's a potential for something to be wrong with it. But in this current market, it's a little bit different. But I also think there's other aspects, like you have an industry that's burgeoning within the tri-state area where you have the, probably the, the international marketing center of the world with New York City and the financial capital of the world in New York City. So when things are going to happen, it's like not only do you have the, the finances, not only do you have the all the other infrastructures that drive industry growth and branding and everything else, but you also have these other industries, these related industries, life sciences industries. This is the mecca of that area within New Jersey, New York, and in the tri-state area. I mean, those are all organizations that, are, that could easily just move into this space and just assimilate in a heartbeat and be probably a thousand times better off than any other of these organizations that are currently out there right now, because they just have the infrastructure and things to do that. And inevitably that will happen. And, and that's part of one of the reasons at the Tri-State Cannabis Alliance, we want to educate organizations to actually be proactive so they have a potential for sustainability when this, when this industry really shifts. I mean, the fact is, it hasn't shifted because of the fact of you still have federal illegality. But but once that changes, however that changes, whether it's a year, two years, whatever it is going to be, there's going to be a massive shift in in the players in this industry. And it's, and it's just not going to be fair for anybody that's not proactively prepared and ready to be able to sustain the onslaught that's probably going to come. And, and do you think it's, it's federal legalization that's going to really drive that onslaught? Or I mean, what's, what are the dominoes that need to fall to really bring these these companies that seem to be towing the line at the uh, edge of the field, kind of waiting for things to change? Like, what's the what's the catalytic event that is going to well, happen? Well, you know, I think it depends on how it becomes federally legal. Do they just declassify it off the of schedule and say it's not scheduled? And then yeah. basically the states are still left to regulate it, which still leaves this fragmentation, this siloed regulatory structure this lack of harmonization, yeah. um, or does it basically say, you know, do they say, okay, we're going to declassify this, but we're going to put it under the auspice of an entity, Department of Health, the FDA, whoever it's going to mm -hmm. be, et cetera, et cetera, or, you know, ATF or something. And then once you start to do that, we already see that within the hemp industry, you start having like things like certifying bodies come in and certify to various standards that we know are applicable in this industry. They're just not mandated in a lot of respects, except like labs, like ISO 17025 certification. Mm -hmm. Once you start getting into that realm, then you start moving into realms of, okay, now you have to have official systems and controls and, and you have to have mature markets in, it, in that respect or markets that are going to move into that mature space because you're not going to tolerate all of the potential risks that are coming along with the industry as it is now. I mean, there's a plethora of risks. We just, they don't identify them because we usually don't have the regulatory structure that's robust enough to be able to identify it, whether that's a lack of experience or not. I'm not going to, I'm not going to um, talk about that, but the point is that they're just not robust enough and it's just not able to identify where there's a lot of those risks right now currently. Yeah. I guess at the end of the day, who are you looking to serve? Is this the end you know, patient and consumer? Are this are these businesses inside the cannabis community? Is it, you know, general society? I mean, like who like when you're looking at your kind of charter and you're looking at decisions on which policies you're gonna focus on or which issues you're gonna focus on, what kind of guides you? 
Well, you know, so I think we come, we all come at it from a different perspective because we all have different interests, right? We have a, a head of a financial group that's uh, one of our board of directors. We have a politician, an ex-Pennsylvania uh, senator who's on the board. We have, mm-hmm. you know, like I was saying, like a, a cancer survivor who's just an end-user patient that, that yep. was based. So they all bring different perspectives. And I think, you know, again, it, it allows us to really be able to pivot and support multiple things. I mean, ideally as a, as a nonprofit, but as a business league, we care about businesses, we care about the industry itself. But at the same time, from my perspective, and one of the foundations for me as a founder of this organization was there had to be a social equity component. And not just to say that you have to have social equity, you're going to adhere to social equity efforts, but really like implement and have measurably effective social equity efforts. <laughs> yeah. so, so, you, you brought it up. Let's talk about it. I mean, because yeah. I think, you know, obviously there have been, there have been many efforts in many markets and many states to implement various kind of social equity programs, you know, some of which have been, I guess, effective or at least somewhat effective, some of which clearly haven't been effective. Um, mm-hmm. What's the, I guess, on this particular issue, I guess, how do you see the TCA, you know, helping kind of navigate this, you know, looking at other states, what's worked, what hasn't worked, kind of guide policymaking, like, uh, give me give me a sense of both w- where you see this particular issue, but also what role do you want to really be playing in the issue? Yeah. So, you know, I think there's a way to support it in the respects that it's everybody can come up with their own determination of how they're going to support social equity. That's up to the organization themselves. They're the ones that know their bandwidth. They're the ones that know their budgets. They're the ones that know what they can really commit to doing. But they're going to commit in some manner. That's part of like the agreement is we're going to commit in some manner. And then we're going to help show how you can actually measure whatever that process is, whatever you're going to do, you're going to measure how it can be effective. And maybe that effectivity is is adequate for you. And, you know, maybe it's not for somebody else. And that's a subjective determination. And that's not really the goal here. The goal here is to really get people to critically think about when you're doing an action. It's not just about saying you're doing the action, because when you work in a regulated industry, that's not how it works. You have to prove that your action is actually effective. You have mm-hmm. to prove that whatever you're doing is corrective action is actually an effective solution. And if it isn't, then you need to reevaluate through various different processes of, you know, how you identify where the root causes were and how, how you can be effective moving forward. So really it's like, it's like anything else, even in, in regulated industries, a, a lot of times in regulations, there'll be ambiguity for on purpose. And it's there because like a medical device company, there's tons of different variability in medical devices. So if you yeah. just try to constrain with specific language, sometimes it makes it impossible to be able to to verify effectivity and things like that. So it, it's really going to be up to them. It's really going to be teaching them or helping them learn how to critically think about what they do. And then, you know, really making a commitment to say that, yeah, we want to be effective in what we're doing here. We're not saying we have all the solutions. We're saying that you're making a commitment to implement, you know, effective measures to contribute positively to social equity, social inclusion and things like that. Yeah. I'm curious how you balance, this always comes up with these kind of alliances and industry groups, you know, how do you balance the kind of the desire to help, you know, coordinate, bring companies together around key issues so that, you know, we're not working against each other, we're not wasting resources, you know, Mm -hmm. we're, we're identifying kind of goals that are common and going to be helpful, 
you know, versus kind of undermining competitive competition and survival of the fittest a little bit, or, you know, mm -hmm. like a, sort of a more yeah. rigid capitalist stance of like, hey, you know, we should uh -huh. just let companies do what they're going to do. And the best yeah. ones are going to rise to the yeah. surface. And the ones that yeah. don't do so well will fade away. Like how, how, how I guess, does this, does this issue come up? How does this balance in a, in a situation like this? So yeah, we're not gonna, we're going to stay out of the political discussion there. But, <laughs> but I, you know, I always fall back onto to my mantra is that it doesn't matter what system it is. It's the human condition that always fails, but I digress there. So um, <laughs> I, I think the thing is that, you know, it's, it's just part of social responsibility. It's like, you know, we're all business owners. We're all, you know, we all are consumers and buy things from businesses and yeah. we, you know, most people support some type of, of business structure or whatever it would be capitalism in some respects. But, you know, yeah, I think there has to be a sense of social responsibility. I think that's just something for me that's that's it's a it's a no brainer. It's like yeah. if you're not going to care about social responsibility, if you're not going to sit here and say it's not about maximizing profits and things like that, then you're you're definitely not going to want to be a part of the organization because it's it's not going to fall in line with our ethos and it's not going to be what we're looking to shape this industry to be like. There's a there's a lot of there's already a lot of organizations and entities out there that can that can take that. Yeah. And so, yeah, so let's dig into some of the other issues. So we mentioned social equity. What else is kind of on your platform right now? What are you focused on, you know, trying to have an impact on, you know, now in the future? I mean, obviously these, these markets are developing, right? We don't, we don't have adult use dispensaries in New Jersey and New York, right? The second they will come. What's kind of the roadmap here for you in terms of what you want to be focused on? Well, so, our, you know, our first event's going to be, I think it's going to be tentatively in the first week of May. And, at that event, it'll be our official kickoff. And, and really it's gonna be an educational seminar and we don't have the construction, like the times down yet, exactly how it'll be, how robust, but seeing all of the information that we really can bring to the table, we think it's gonna be very fruitful in, in, in using that educational avenue, the educational platform to really be able to disseminate and and give the information out there to the people, whether whether they're members of the public, because our first organization event is gonna be is gonna be public. And we think that's, that's um, pretty critical anyway, because you know, it, like I was saying, end users are stakeholders. There are people that should care about what they're putting into their bodies and things like oh, yeah. that. And and holding, uh, uh, you know, companies that they're paying good money for accountable for things um, and not let them just, you know, slide behind or, or just, you know, just stand behind ignorance or something like that. We already know what best practices are and organizations need to be willing to start taking them on and understand their social responsibilities and moving forward in a, in a proactive manner that's it doesn't have to be super cost intensive or anything if you do it the right way, which is this is an unusual and probably unprecedented time to where, you know, these companies will have this 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 huge amount of buffer to be able to do the right thing and take the right steps and not really suffer for it because it's, you know, it is a newly emerging industry and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. How much, I guess, I mean, I know the sort of the regs are still being kind of developed and sort of worked out and how they're going to be implemented in both New Jersey and New York, particularly. Is there anything that you're seeing already that are issues or, or topics you want to be addressing as an organization to help coordinate, align these states so that making it easier, better to do business, we're being able to create better products, you know, make it easier for consumers, patients to be able to get mm -hmm. Products like what? Do you, what are you seeing in terms of how this the regulatory frameworks are playing out? So you know, I I think it really to get into the nuances. There's other organizations that are really driving a lot of that stuff. But for me, it really comes down to probably the most basic element, and really comes down to for, from the business's perspective, and then also from the end user stakeholders' perspective is product liability. It's really about 
the products and services that you're putting out there. And we're not talking about ancillary third markets, which is a huge part of of what we're trying to do in in getting support for this industry, getting those third party and ancillary companies recognized in the value that they really are for um, for the industry. But it's really about product liability concerns because in all other industries, you have things that are risk mitigating processes and techniques and systems and things like that in place to mitigate those risks or prevent product liability risks for the for the product owners, it's you know it's why regulatory bodies demand that they do these things so they're not out there killing people and 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 you know going into courts and everything else like this. And then from the from the stakeholders' perspective, the end users, it's the same thing. Like you know, if I buy a product, I want to assume that it's relatively safe and it's it's you know they're not putting something in it that's going to potentially be killing me or causing brain damage or something like that. So that's really like the 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 main thing about in general because there's so many other nuances within there within any regulatory. Um, framework as it matures and grows that you can nitpick a, a lot of problems with. But it's so vast because there's there's so much of the industry and it's all being like constructed in one time. So, you know, it's not an easy task for any of the regulatory bodies, especially when they probably don't have much experience prior. But it is something that we feel we can help with, you know, influencing, maybe even in some ways collaborating and working with certain regulatory bodies, commissions and things like that that need information or support or some type of clarification on things or better practices, we're always willing to do that. So I think that's, um, I think that's kind of the approach we've decided to take and not, not focusing on any one thing. And if, if there is something that's significant, we start a committee for that. Like, you know, we have a, an education and planning committee for events, educational events and things like that. So as we, as we mature and as this, this organization grows, we'll get better at what we're doing and we'll identify things better. And, and the markets will also mature more and they'll come up to the top as, as we yeah. see it. Yeah. So, so tell me more about how, like, what what activities you're planning, events. How, how do you envision uh, the TCA actually operating? You know, what can we expect in terms of content and things we could attend? Yeah. So, I think the the committee they had their their commencement meeting a few weeks ago, and we had decided on the first week of May is having a a kickoff event. We didn't know exactly whether it was going to be a one day, two day event. What's going to be better? Um, what type of content? But I know, and I'm going to speak for myself personally with QA Canada, we bring the perspective from a quality assurance and regulatory structure side of things. And we're looking at collaborating with one of New York State's certifying bodies who basically is required to certify for hemp growers and things like that to make sure that, you know, you're compliant with good, good agricultural practices, you know, good manufacturing practices, things like that. And then you could proceed with, you know, with production in that respect. So we, we'd like to really get a lot of the educational material out there from that perspective and then and then we have a, a ton of other members that are, you know, bring so much wealth of information from, like I was saying, product liability with insurance, risk mitigation with insurance, labor and law with with like unions and things like that. And then other experiences within other ancillary companies within the within the within the organization. And really, like I was saying about third party realization, ancillary companies, how they're just they're really kept out of the loop in a lot of ways now because of the siloed structure. But they're so important for a robust industry to really flourish. And we're hoping to really get that message across to them too. I'm curious what other organizations you're coordinating with, you know, in other markets or at a federal level, like how do you engage with the broader cannabis community? Yeah. So, I mean, we, there's a couple that we've selected that we will be supporting on a national level. And I don't want to go into that now that that will definitely be released when it's, when it's the time, but there are people and organizations that align with some of the things that we do. They're not focused in on everything that we do, or maybe that our core mission but they do support other things like, you know, federal legalization and things like that and regulation, which would make things a lot easier and a lot more cohesive for us. But 
again, we, until we're actually starting to mature, we probably won't show external support in that respect, but there are other organizations that we, we do talk to and we're not trying to per se compete against anybody. We're willing to, you know, align with anyone, with social organizational leaders, you know, anybody that feels that they want to add to the benefit and and the shaping of this industry, we're willing to work with in some capacity. And, And honestly, I don't know them all. That's why I, that's why myself and Marta actually constructed this board of 12 individuals who we feel are, are exemplary in, in what they represent. Yeah. And where, I mean, I guess in terms of membership, what are you hoping to achieve? I mean, are you looking to have, you know, majority of companies? Are you forget a particular segment? What are your kind of goals around, you know, developing um, members? Yeah. So, I mean, I look at it as, my, I know myself and I'm sure Marta agrees from our discussions, that we look at it as we want it to be like really like an all-encompassing. We want, you know, volunteers. We want students. We want people that are actively involved because, you know, we have, um, we feel that we're going to have a legislative arm that's going to deal with legislative influence and uh, on regulations and the forming and, and, you know, also directly educational to the operational companies and, and again, these ancillary markets and things. So we don't really know how it's going to grow and how it's going to be. And it's probably taking more of an organic approach not really trying to add a lot of complexity, really tried to simplify it to just an individual membership, a business membership, and for charitable nonprofits, uh, you come up with some other solution, um, which we haven't really dealt with yet, but we anticipate dealing with. And we hope to have a a charitable arm at some time because we feel that that's a, a good way for us to contribute and support, you know, maybe not directly influence things like social justice because that gets into the obviously the the um uh, criminal justice fear and things like that but we can surely support organizations that are supporting those efforts directly and that's what i that's how i kind of see us basically branching out and supporting these other organizations but really focusing in on probably more of a grassroots you know organization with addressing maybe small and medium-sized businesses and that's not really clearly defined exactly what small and medium-sized businesses because that you know small businesses can be rather large but really with the thinking that you know it's really going to be more the little medium guy and not the people that are already succeeding at the top they don't really need the help probably they're they you know they might be some of the problem in some respects so yeah john this has been a pleasure if people want to find out more about you more about tca what's the best way to get that information they can just go to the website. It's uh, www.tristateca.org. Um, and you can get membership there. You can find out about our mission statement. You can volunteer time there. And you can find out about our board members, specifically who's on the board, what states they represent, and things like that. Um, myself, you could always um, just find me on LinkedIn, john.malave, my company's QA Canna. Or you can also email for TCA at info at tristateca.org. Excellent. I'll make sure that all that information in the show notes. John, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I appreciate it, Bruce. Thanks for having me on. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.